Hey, welcome to Big Happy Life, the show that's all about shaping your thoughts and actions so that life feels easier, you get more done, you feel more in control, and you have a bit more fun along the way. I'm your host, Natalie Britt, and today is the final episode in the planning and decision-making series. Today's episode is all about evaluating your mini choices and the actions you take in pursuit of your big goals or life-changing decisions. We'll cover three rules of evaluation. One, pay attention. Two, never let a mistake go unused. And three, be honest with yourself, but put the stick down. Over the last few weeks, we've been looking at the link between the decision and the actions that follow, and we've looked at the fact that big decisions, those kind of things that are about career changes or life-changing choices, are very often a series of micro-decisions leading up to what feels like the chance to make that big decision, and then all the micro-decisions that come afterwards that make it happen. We've talked about motivation towards and away from. We've talked about the hindsight bias. You can't unknow what you know. We've covered a lot of ground. And the last thing to look at is how do you evaluate information as it unfolds? Every time you take an action or a micro decision, you're going to end up with a successful outcome, a step towards the big goal, or an unsuccessful outcome, a step away from the big goal. And your ability to evaluate how that happened will determine how useful your next decision and the next action is. So this episode looks at those three rules in order to make the best use of the new information as it unfolds in order to get you moving towards that big goal. If you haven't had a chance to listen to the earlier podcasts in this series, the links are in the show notes page so you can get access to those. Or go to bighappylife.co.uk and the podcasts page has all the episodes on it. On with this week's episode and rule one, pay attention. This rule sounds so obvious it sometimes irritates people. When I'm doing training workshops, I can almost see people roll their eyes as if to say, are you kidding? Obviously I pay attention. But until you get under the skin of this thing, most of us don't realize quite how selective our attention is and the fact that we're only focusing on the things we want to focus on and there's this whole sea of other stuff that we're missing. So paying attention is about opening that up and seeing much more of the available information. So the ability to pay attention in ways that allow you to gather information that might open your mind, get you thinking in new ways, thinking more creatively, asking different questions, that type of attention is really a skill that has to be developed. If you're a regular listener of the Big Happy Life podcast, then you know the role of beliefs in your attention. You know that you'll pay more attention to the things you already believe. You'll confirm what you already believe. So you'll miss huge amounts of information if that doesn't go with what you already believe. So in order to truly pay attention, you have to challenge your beliefs. You have to look to break them to make sure that they genuinely hold up. Not only that, but you've got to pay attention to patterns. You've got to pay attention to patterns in you, your environment, the people you're working with, to understand what brings out the best. When do you do your best thinking? When do you take your most productive actions? What about the people you're working with? What about the results you're getting? What gets you the best results? Is that the only way that you can get those results? Or is there another way? What are other people doing? So paying attention is about asking a variety of really good questions. We spoke about this last week as well. The quality of your questions determines the quality of your thinking and the quality of your actions. One of the best ways I found for paying attention is to keep a journal or a video diary. And the reason is, again, we know this from earlier episodes, the things you experience and the things you remember are not the same. 
So in order to make the best use of the information available to you and the experiences you're having, the learning you're gathering from that, you need some way of recording it so that it's accurate. And when you look back on it, you're not relying on memories that can be rewritten quite easily, but rather on footage or documentation you have that shows you what you really went through at the time and how it affected the outcomes. I find it endlessly fascinating reviewing things I've written or videos I've made of things I've done and decisions I've taken and realizing that what I remember and what I said at the time are so different. So I gain massive value from looking back at the footage and the information that I have available and then using that to inform next choices rather than relying on my memory, which isn't always enough. The other important facet of paying attention is that we don't do it well when we're emotional. So when things get stressful, when we're frustrated or angry, when we're really happy, euphoric, we're not paying attention in the same way as we would if we were completely detached, an observer in the situation, if we weren't involved at all. So in order to pay close attention to the important facets of what you're doing, it's important to have some thinking time, some time where you're away from the thing and the actions and it's simply about being detached, looking at it, asking yourself those great questions, perhaps writing down your responses or filming your responses so that you can keep those and refer back to them. But always doing that at a time when you can do your clearest thinking, when you're not stuck in the stress of things or you're not rushing or you're not euphoric from a success you've had because those will cloud your judgment ever so slightly or possibly quite dramatically and you won't be paying attention in the same way. You need these intervals regularly because, of course, if you're going to sit down once a month or once every two months and think back, you're going to be relying on memory and you'll have rewritten quite a lot of those memories by that point. So daily practice of this is really useful. Morning or evening, so either evaluating the day and keeping a record or starting fresh each morning and evaluating what you've done so far or what you did the previous day and so on. Of course, there's always going to be an element of interpretation and memory involved, but the better your questions and the smaller the intervals between these thinking periods, the more likely you are to get as close to accurate information as you possibly can. And this is never more important than when you make a mistake. Which brings me to rule number two, which is never let a mistake go unused. I am absolutely fascinated by how little we make use of our mistakes. Over the last 18 years, I've been a corporate trainer. So a lot of my work is with leaders in organizations and helping them build up their teams, develop high performance, bring out the best in individuals and so on. And one of the things that seems ever present across public and private sector, across industries, across any barrier you can name is protection against mistakes. If someone's gonna make a mistake, we will have a process in place that will stop that from happening. If someone has made a mistake, we'll create a process that is so robust that that mistake can never ever be made again, even though it was kind of fluky in the first place. We're hardwired to feel the effects of mistakes more strongly than we feel the effects of success. And because those feelings are negative, we tend to run away from them. But they're often the greatest source of amazing information. So on the way to achieving your big goals, if you ever make a mistake, the one thing to keep in mind is how do I gain something from this? If you walk away none the wiser, if you walk away with nothing useful, then that mistake has gone to waste. A useful mistake should make future decisions easier. So let's say you were in a relationship with somebody and it went sour because you found out they'd been unfaithful. And so the mistake as you see it is that you trusted them when you shouldn't have. 
So now you've found it out and you've decided to end the relationship. Of course, there's likely to be a grieving period at first, but once that period is over, one of two things ends up happening. You either have a really good opportunity to reflect on all of the aspects of the situation that led you here to this outcome, and then decide what to do with that information so that it's most useful to you as you move into your next relationship at some point in the future. Or you spend more time judging yourself, judging the other person, and thinking about what should have happened, what shouldn't have happened, what is fair, what isn't fair, and you end up losing time, you end up losing today, to yesterday, to the previous relationship, to spending time reliving those emotions and going back around in those loops. So it becomes much more difficult to move forward, to make the next choice, to use the information that's around you today, and to progress towards that goal of a happy, loving relationship that you want to be part of. Now, depending on the severity of the experience and the emotions involved, it may be better to have some kind of professional help to help you work through those emotions and that experience and make sense of it. But in many cases, this is something that we can do for ourselves. So in this example, you start losing time when you agonize over hindsight. And remember the hindsight bias. So you start going, oh, it was so obvious. Remember that time he did this. Remember that time she was that. Remember that text message. Remember this. Remember that. Oh, I should have known. And you beat yourself and you beat yourself. There are no gains to be had in that kind of thinking. So the gains come when you start looking at the situation. And you start evaluating it to think about what's worth carrying forward. What's going to help you pick a person who's right for you next time? Again, many of us do this in a kind of backwards way. So we start going, I definitely don't want someone who's like that. I definitely don't want this and I don't want that. But you may remember from previous episodes, that's away from motivation and it primes you to pay attention to all the wrong things. So you end up saying, I definitely don't want someone who's like that guy or that woman. But now you're primed for paying attention to those traits and also for rewriting them. So let's say your previous partner was actually really confident and sophisticated, but now you read that as smarmy and dishonest. So you meet somebody else who's also confident and sophisticated, but now you're reading it slightly differently because you're associating it with the same behaviors you've seen in the past. You reinterpret the signals, and in the process, you rule out somebody who could actually be pretty cool. To make really productive use of the experience, you apply that detached attention I mentioned in the first part of the podcast, where you look at the whole relationship, all the good and all the things that didn't work. So rather than throw the whole thing out, you look at the parts you would keep. If you're going to do this again, what do you want to take forward from that relationship into the next one? What are the things you know about yourself? What are the things you want from the other person? These kinds of questions are far more likely to help you use the experience in a way that's really valuable next time you meet somebody. And if you think about what it requires to make a relationship successful, there's that element of trust and kind of throwing yourself in. But if you've got that fear associated with the previous relationship, you kind of always hold yourself back. So it's really hard to ever get a relationship that holds together incredibly well because you're protecting yourself from a previous relationship and that one's already ended. So I realize that's not kind of a traditional mistake, if you like, but I wanted to use that example just to show you how any experience, no matter how emotional, can provide really valuable information moving forward, depending on how you use it. But it does require the ability to kind of mix the black and the white together and end up with this mush of gray, because nothing's going to be totally good or totally bad. There's going to be useful information if you can get into that gray area and start going, okay, well, 
Which bits do I want to keep and which bits would I change? Which fits quite nicely with the final tip or rule, which is be honest with yourself, but put down the stick. I already mentioned when I was talking about the previous relationship example that quite naturally a lot of us would spend time beating ourselves with that stick of I should have seen it coming, I should have read the signs, and so on and so on, which isn't very helpful at all. But even once we move away from the hindsight bias, there are still ways in which we judge ourselves and the way we do things that lead us into emotional territory rather than logical, useful territory. So for example, I'm in the process of starting a new business and I'm quite overwhelmed with the number of choices I need to make and the things I need to learn. Sometimes I end up procrastinating. Sometimes at night I sit and I watch TV rather than doing some writing or creating another podcast or doing something that will help move me forward. So I have to very honestly pay attention to those things, to those habits, to those practices, and understand why I'm doing those things so that if it's something that I want to change, I can make that change. If I sit there going, oh, I'm so lazy, I procrastinate all the time, I'm so indecisive, what I end up doing is providing myself with a series of labels and no useful information to move me forward. What would be more useful in this situation is to start looking at the drivers for those behaviors and understanding what I'm gaining by doing those things. In my situation, I actually gain time with my husband. So then I could say, which one of these things is more important to me, working on the business or spending time with my husband? So I choose spending time with my husband. At this point then, still with that kind of honest, detached look at things, I might say, is watching TV a great way to spend time with my husband? I'd probably say no. And so I'd still have some more thinking to do around that. If I'm choosing not to work because I want to spend time with my husband, then I need to make that time count. But what I don't want to do is go, you see, I'm just making excuses because I'm saying I want to spend time with my husband, but really it's just because I'm too lazy to do the work. That kind of thinking just sends me back into that cycle of beating myself with a stick and getting no useful information. It's very easy to end up in those loops, to start off with productive questions and then to end up just being a bit judgmental of ourselves and berating ourselves. But as soon as you notice it happen, you can turn it around again and you can start asking those really good questions and moving forward and going, okay, in this case, maybe it's about something I haven't thought of yet. What might that thing be? And going from there. As long as you can keep that kind of thought momentum going, you can always keep moving in the direction of your goals and your dreams and the things that require big actions, tenacity, and resilience to make them happen. If you've made it to this point in the podcast, then the likelihood is you're someone with big ambitions, big dreams, big goals, and a lot that you want to learn along the way. If that sounds like you, I have a great opportunity for you. In 2019, Big Happy Life is launching a series of masterclasses, retreats, and other events available to people who are taking their lives to the next level and who want to work out the best ways to do that so that they actually enjoy the process as well as the result. So right now, an opportunity exists for just eight of you to have a one-to-one -one call with me, during which you'll be able to talk about your goals and aspirations, the things you'd love to learn, the things you're having trouble with, you'll be able to get some advice and some tips. But what I'll also do is use that information to make sure that in 2019, I put the right experts in front of you, share the right information with you, the most valuable stuff that you need to move your life as far as you can towards the goals you've set for yourself during 2019. The window of opportunity is short on this one, so you do need to act fast. There are only eight places, and you need to register your interest in being considered for a place by the 31st of December, 2018. To do that, go to binghappylife.co.uk and click on Make Me a Masterclass. 
From there, you'll be able to leave your email address and a short blurb about yourself, your goals and some of the things you might be struggling with. If you're one of the eight people selected for a one-to-one -one call, you'll get notification on the 5th of January. And along with that, you'll also get a voucher for free use of one of the masterclasses created in 2019. But don't worry if you're not one of the eight, you still get the voucher code for the free masterclass. So you can't lose. You'll be able to use that voucher for any masterclass in 2019. So as soon as you find one that ticks a box for you, you can enroll and you can get all that amazing content free of charge. Cool, right? So here's that information one more time. If you want to be one of the eight people taking part in a one-to-one -one call with me, go to bighappylife.co.uk and click make me a masterclass. Leave your information and you'll hear by the 5th of January if you're going to be one of the eight people. And even if you're not, you're going to get a free course. And that's it. As always, everything I've mentioned in this week's episode is on the show notes page, including all the links to the various pages and podcasts I've spoken about. If you've got any questions or comments, you can also put those on that page. But for now, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.